Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Player Development First podcast. This is episode five. Uh, today, we have a good friend of mine who also grew up in Belfast, uh, Orman Okanea. Orman had a pro soccer career playing in the Philippines. He played in Indonesia, and he's now currently the first team and U23 assistant coach for Qatar Sports Club, um, who play in the Qatar Starts League. Um, Orman's passion for soccer is just infectious. He um, loves the game. He speaks really well, and I think you'll enjoy this one. Uh, he's got plenty of experiences in the professional game, but he's got a lot of good um, anecdotes about uh, about his playing career and just youth soccer development in general. So really, really appreciate you listening to this one. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I apologize if um, some of the audio was a little bit laggy. Obviously, over Zoom from Dallas to Qatar was a little bit shaky at times, but hopefully it's it's not too bad. But appreciate you listening, guys. Thank you. Hey, Orman, thanks very much for coming on today. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure, Greg. Always well, a pleasure to see you. I know, mate. I haven't seen you in a long time. Um, yes. So obviously, I know you're from. I know you're from Belfast, mate. Um, so, where where exactly did you grow up in Belfast? And you know, um, how did you get involved in soccer? You know, it's 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 interesting. Uh, uh, first off, I want to say uh, before we start, that I would say massive congratulations on what you're doing in in America and North Texas, um, really developing these these young girls. Uh, I was just mentioned to you prior to. To getting online, and um, that the I watched a few of the videos on the, uh, on uh, on Instagram, I think it was. Yes. And I saw uh, uh, how can I say I saw two different people do two, a very exact repetition of a skill like a step over. Yeah. And I knew straight away that that's that's been taught. You know what I mean? And and that's been practiced. And without practice, there's no way they would be able to execute that in a pressured situation. So as soon as I saw that, I actually smiled to myself because I thought, wow he's coaching them the right way do you know what i'm saying so yeah, I mean, we've got a big emphasis to... on 1v1 mastery and and you know yeah. um so yeah we're, we're we're really in we really love to do a lot of 1v1s at, at pd1 but yeah mate so how did you um how did you get involved in soccer i think my first ever experience with you mate i was on work experience at um mm. the ifa with sean paul murray and you were actually playing for a team sean paul murray was coaching at one point yes yes belfast college Yes, that was probably what it yes, was. Yeah, wow, I can't, that's, that's unbelievable, wow. Yeah, I remember that, them days, wow, that's unbelievable. Um, my first, uh, I'll go back to your first question you started with. Uh, yes. uh, so I grew, I actually didn't, a lot of people think I grew up in Belfast. I actually grew, I was born in Nigeria. Oh, what were you mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was born in Nigeria and I moved to Belfast when I was eight and a half. Uh, because my dad studied in, in Queens. Uh, met my mum, moved to London, had my siblings, and then my dad got a job in Nigeria. So when we moved to Nigeria, obviously I was born there, and I would say my first experiences of football was in Lagos. Um, we were in a compound, so it was basically just finish school, um, come back from school in the compound, just play all day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. On, um, unless I had to go and do my, my studying. But it was literally just playing all day, and we used to play uh, a thing they call, uh, they call them like monkey nets, they call them, where they put like very small uh, goals t- together. Yeah. Um, whatever you had, it could be shoes, it could be stones, anything, but something to, for a reference of, of two small goals. And it was almost the size of the football, um, the goals. So you would play like a 4v4, 5v5, 
and you had to score the, the really small goals by dribbling and we're going back years ago so it yeah. wasn't you know there was no they had big goals and they were shooting from 40 50 yards out it was literally you had to beat three or four players to put the ball in the goal because you couldn't shoot from from far and in in that compound i was probably one of the worst players because all the other kids that used to come from outside the compound didn't necessarily have the opportunities either yeah so they used to play football even more than me do you know what i'm saying in terms yeah. of academically Whereas I had to go to school and then I would come back and do my work. So I played, played two, three hours where they played seven, eight hours and they were, they were fantastic, you know, but it was, it was literally that me. And that's probably where the first, uh, how can I say opportunities to play the game and the love of the game. And, and at that time, Nigeria qualified for the world cup. So I, I got to see the world cup and there was a big fan base in Nigeria of the yeah. world cup. And then, and then, yeah, then we moved back to Northern Ireland at eight years old. And when I got there, uh, I, I moved uh, to Olympia actually close to there. Um, and uh, uh, I went to go to Olympia Center all the time. That's a different different story about how I first approached there. But I, now I remember some difference made from from uh, from Lagos to the Olympia Center in Belfast. <laughs> exactly, I know it's crazy, isn't it? So um, actually, the day we landed, the day we arrived, uh, my brother was leaving for the gym. He's like eight, nine years older than me because they, they all. My dad sent them all to go to university. In, uh, in, 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 in Queens and Jordanstown so me and my mum went to visit them one year and that was up my first we actually weren't meant to move there um, so knocked the door he was going out on his bike he was going to the gym I got on the back of his bike he said sit in this park and while I was sitting in the park he went into the gym and there was kids playing on the other side of the of the fence on the little green pitch and I remember them it's like uh, Andrew Rossbottom and some good players who ended up playing for Northern Ireland on the 17s on 19 stuff uh-huh. so I ended up they, I ended up asking could I play with them jumped in and because I was a little bit technical they befriended me so that almost got me accepted because you know it was like oh he can play so come back tomorrow and that was it you know what I mean so it was interesting because I often wonder without football how it went you know what I mean and I'm very blessed to have had football as that middle ground if that makes sense yeah. you know what I mean so that almost from the first day I was you know how can I say embraced um into you know, different, 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 different people. So for places in, across the UK and, you know, in, in Europe, probably, um, you know, as a, as a, a boy going into a new school or whatever, if you can, if you can play, if you can play soccer or if you can play ball, if you've got a bit of skill about you, it kind of gets you that respect amongst your peers, doesn't it? Um, yeah. yeah and I, it could be, it could be anything, you know, like, I just think that um, I would say sport in, in general, you know, is almost an international language and I, I would definitely advise it for any any young child, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you, you don't have to speak the same language. You don't have to be from the same religion, you know, uh, skin color in terms of, you know, um, and also culture. But uh, okay, oh, my mom's from Northern Ireland, you know, she's, she's born and brought up, but um, I didn't know much about, you know, Northern Ireland or the UK in general. So um, to, to, to know them boys was just basically about the ball. Obviously I could speak uh, fluent English, but the ball was almost the middle ground. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I was very, very lucky that I could, actually attempt to play a sport and that allowed me to you know what i mean so it's like it's it's incredible it's incredible and even on my coaching journey in, in indonesia and qatar and stuff sometimes some of the some of the players of coach haven't been able to speak english but the ball is almost like that middle ground and we've smiled over the football and yeah. we almost have this connection through the ball yes incredible so mate you, you've you've um you've obviously had a, a, a well decorated sort of um career in northern ireland as well you, you went and you were playing for multiple irish league clubs how was um who, who was it you were playing for originally uh, do you mean from 
Do you mean from kids or, or straight into yeah. the Irish Yeah, league? so okay. you, uh, who were you at? Was it Glen Avenue you used to be at? At the start, I actually started at St Andrews. Um, okay. was my first club. Uh, St Andrews back in the day, uh, had a coach called Joe Kincaid, and he was the one that used to spot people, take them in, you know, Belfast and the I likes of like Jim Mulgrew. Right? Yes, at that time, Jim Mulgrew, Dalford Ice, they were all are uh, in in our in, in, in my age group, you know, and some some very talented kids. Robert Garp was a year younger, so very very talented kids or anything. Um, so uh, I I think. Uh, it was a great experience there. And then I got an opportunity uh, from Mark Dixon, actually, uh, when I was 16. He said, why don't you come up to Lauren? He was at Lauren at the time. And uh, he said, you could probably go and play in the reserves, maybe get a chance in the first team. And uh, sorry, and uh, I ended up going up. And after like the first few sessions, you know, they threw me in for 15 minutes in the first team at 16 in a preseason game. So it was me, Robbie Ware, uh, Ryan Kane, Ross Black, you know, these young, young players. And, I think Lauren probably didn't have the opportunities other clubs had, so they had to do that, you know what I mean? So, you know, because it's very hard for you to do that at Linfield or Glentorn or these bigger clubs, um, whereas Lauren didn't have the, the resources in a sense, so they had to go with a lot of young players. And uh, that was our first season. We ended up getting to the Irish Cup final, um, which was very good uh, under a guy called Jim McGill. He had just came back from America, actually, a coach, Jim McGill. And then Kenny the Shields... No, I, I didn't. I, I I was in the squad. Uh, Robbie Weir got the got the nod to play. Yeah. Um, I got a suit and got to. You know what? I think when you're 16, 17, uh, I was 16 at the time, you're so taken back by the experience that you don't probably get. And I think that's probably that's one of my downfalls. I never. I wouldn't say get. I, I wouldn't say to any kid get angry, but it didn't hurt me not to play. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think there has to be a certain level of like this is. I don't like to say this. But there has to be a certain level of like belief in yourself and, and ask like, why am I not playing rather than just to be there, if that makes sense. So Absolutely. I really enjoyed the experience. Don't get me wrong, but I should have probably demanded of myself, like, why, why am I not, you know, in the squad? Why am I not playing? Mm -hmm. Rather than just very happy to collect the suit and just be part of it. Do you know what I'm saying? So don't get me wrong. The experience was beautiful. But looking back on now, I would love to have got five minutes, 10 minutes on the pitch, yeah. you know what I mean? For so a 16 year old, though, it's an amazing experience. It's just to be involved in that, in that environment. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, the next year, Kenny Shields came in. And as you know, Kenny was no longer 17s coach at the time. And when he came in, he, uh, yeah, he was, he was excellent, excellent, uh, very good coach. And also he believed in the youth, gave us the chance. And it went from me playing youth team football to, to playing against Linfield in Windsor Park, you know what I mean? Playing against the Glens at 16, 17. And that was an incredible experience. Um, and yeah, yeah, the whole experience was incredible, but uh, very nerve wracking at the time as well, you yeah. know, because... You're going up against very seasoned pros at, at the Blues and Glens and getting, sometimes I got an absolute lesson and it was a, <laughs> it was a hard lesson to take. <laughs> so it was very, very, yeah. I remember yeah. getting beat by Glens 5-1 and Kevin Keegan, I think it was, he, 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 yeah, he chopped me a few times. and uh, Yeah, but you learn a lot from these experiences, you know. Yeah, yeah mate. So you've moved from Lauren. Then. Who, who did you go to after that? I went to Glenavon after that. I went to Glenavon um, under Colin Malone. And that was probably my first full season where it was like every game playing, if that makes sense, you know. Um, but I think with the uh, with Irish League, I think there's so much talent in the Irish League, but you have to have a certain style of play as well in the Irish League, you know. And I think uh, I always say this now with my travels of coaching that, that maybe not more so then than now, that certain players, they have to almost fit into that style of play. Do you know what I'm saying? Because as you know, the Irish League, it's an aggressive league. You've got to be able to do the 
the the as we say the you know the art of possession stuff you know um and it might not be for someone who likes to get on the ball get into the pockets of space you know you know has time in the ball uh, it might be you having to adapt to winning the second ball do you know what i'm saying yeah. as a 10 for instance rather than you getting to feet in the pocket on the half turn it might be just literally off the nine and can you get onto the second ball as quick as you can so I probably didn't have that in me. Um, and I, I started to realise that there's a, a lot better Irish league players, but not necessarily technical footballers, but for that league, they're better at it, if that makes sense. Yep. You know what I mean? But in Glenavon, Colin gave me the, the opportunity and to, to, to get on, like you were saying, 1v1 uh, to get our players to, to make mistakes, to express myself. But you're not always going to get coaches like that, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So um, I went from Glenavon after that to Balamina after I had a good season. And the same again, it just really depends on the coach you have uh, uh, that allows you that freedom to express yourself, especially in the in possession offensive stuff, you know. Absolutely. No, I always remember you you being a, a really solid dribbler. Um, so obviously you've, you've been given a little bit of freedom to, you know, to take players on out in wide areas. Um, but I, m- I remember you, you you then moved. Did you go to Porto Down after that? I only spent the, just before I went to actually the, I decided to, after Glenavon, uh, Ronnie McFall called me and I decided to go to Porto Down, but I, I already had in my head that I wanted to, to travel elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I had done my first three years of my uh, degree in, in Belfast, and so I, I, uh, I had an opportunity to go and do my final year in, in England. Um, so in my head already, um, I went to Porto Down and then finished off with Balamina on the Royal Walker. And But I already said, okay, as soon as I finish here in Belfast, I'll go and do something elsewhere because... You know, it goes back to like I said. There's a lot of talent in Irish league. There's a there's a there's a great opportunity in Irish league. But in my head, I always thought there was something else. You know what I mean? There was always something. You know, I wanted to see the world. I had a good friend who who played in America all through our childhood. Uh, Johnny Johnny Steele, who was at the Red Bulls. And whenever he would come home, we would have a conversation about his experiences. And he literally just got on a flight and took a chance and ended up playing MLS for ten years. You know, so when you have connections like that, it always teaches you that maybe there is something else out there and that's not a knock on anyone that stays in Irish league because I think it's a wonderful league but uh, I just don't know in the back of my mind I always thought I want to see the world with football absolutely Ormond. and um, either playing or coaching yeah did you then obviously we both went to the same uh, university as well I was at UCLan as well um, but you were I think you were, you were there maybe a few years before me or a couple of years before me yes yeah um, yeah you, your, your degree was in sports development yeah, and, and uh, uh, my first couple of years was in sports science. And I transferred after having a conversation with a, a teacher who was actually a coach as well. He was, he was coaching at Blackburn. I said to him, I wanted to go down. He asked me, what was your end goal with this degree? Because I think a lot of us, you know, we, we get we get put in the path of going and doing our degree, but there's no one ever actually comes here. So what, what's, the, what's at the end of it? Do you know what I mean? So you go and do the degree because you're almost told to. This is what you do after school. If the careers officer comes in, they'll speak to you and you say, what do you want to do? Okay, I want to be a footballer. And you'll be like, okay, you know, like what they almost deter you sometimes for, for having that belief. And they say, why don't you go and do sports science or sports development, sports coaching? But no one tells you like once that finishes, where's the opportunities, if that makes sense? Yeah. So the teacher told me, he said, if you want to go into coaching on field, um, uh, I think sports development is the best for you because I always said to him I like the development side of coaching you know not necessarily the first team you know cutthroat side it's more the development side Absolutely um, did, did you play any in college or did you did you do any coaching over there how, how did you get involved um, in I, I actually didn't didn't coach over there I played in the in the university team 
which university league is quite competitive. Uh, it was a good because uh, uh, unfortunately in Balamina I had a double leg break, so I uh, had to take like eighteen months off. Um, so then, first experience back playing was was at university. I'm playing with guys, a lot of academy boys who've been released from teams, and you know came back to uni because, as you know, so competitive in England. So you were playing with boys who were released from from United and and different clubs, and it was nice seeing their the way they looked at the game and you know going up to Leeds to play their uni and Manchester to play their uni, and through university, an opportunity came to go to Southeast Asia and play full time. You know, so you never really know who's watching. Um, you know, just just I put the head down, played at uni, and then someone gave me an offer, an opportunity to go to Southeast Asia. And uh, and and plays a, a a full time professional there, which was amazing as well, and probably one of my best experiences. Not only because of the football, but everything around that, the places I got to see, the countries I got to travel to, you know, Absolutely. and the people I got to meet. I remember, I remember just seeing on, on Facebook one day you were in the Philippines playing. Um, for so it was serious. You said you signed for. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, uh, someone who was attached to the uni uh, was from that country and um, I was from Southeast Asia he, he sent me an email um, and he said that uh, would you ever go out to Southeast Asia and play there's quite a successful club in the Philippines trying to do something within Southeast Asia and uh, he said I'd seen you at the uni you know a couple of you know a few times and I, I thought about it so I ended up going home back to Belfast and um, you know trying to do different work within the coaching side and then uh, I realized like oh, you know I had to take this chance spoke to a lot of people and I was like should I sign back home you know, and I just said, okay, you know what? Just uh, take the chance. You know, what's the worst can happen? And probably the best experience of my life. And till today, I was actually speaking to one of my friends who plays in Malaysia, and they had a big game last night, and we won the phone this morning about his game because he's playing against one of the best teams in in Asia now, from Malaysia, Johor, JDT, mm-hmm. and uh, Johor's in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And um, so, like these conversations are still going on, and I have a lot of friends there, and a lot of uh, uh, I built a lot of relationships, and I think that's that was probably the biggest thing out of everything. You know, we got to, we got to, you know, obviously play for Serie Series, won the league. So we got to go to Maldives and play in the AFC Cup. We got to uh, play in different tournaments in Malaysia and Vietnam and all these, you know, in these, tour- in these uh, cup games. But the biggest thing for me was the relationships, you know. And the year I left, actually, Serie qualified for the Champions League. Um, and they played in the Champions League group stage in Asia, you know. So, yeah, yeah. it's just inc- incredible. I love to see those guys still doing well. And a lot of them are playing all over Southeast Asia now in terms of Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, you know, I don't think it's probably the standard of footballs, you know, um, I would say nothing special, but in terms of the experiences of seeing these countries and seeing these cultures and trying different foods, it's, it's incredible. You know what I mean? So um, that alone. Holistic experience of it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What was your like, um, so for anyone who hasn't played in in a professional environment before, what's your, what's your work week look like? You know, I, 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 I was talking to Owen Weirin, um recently and he was saying that, you know, everyone thinks that it's double sessions every day, but it's actually a lot of, you know, um, periodization involved with it all. What's your regular, or if you've got a, you know, a regular week, but you've maybe got a game at the weekend, what's your, what's your regular work? Uh, I, um, I think, uh, yeah, it depends on, on the, the coaching staff you have culturally. Yeah. Um, for when I went into series, uh, Philippines is quite close to South, uh, sorry, South Korea. So we had a South Korean coaching staff, you know, and they're all about uh, work rate and, you know, uh, outrunning your opponent, outworking your opponent. And that's how he, and the coach was quite old school in terms of his methods as well, because he grew up in Korea, South Korea, you know, earlier on. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, after him, a Spanish coach came in who, who played like in Real Betis most of his life. He, uh, he's Serbian, but he grew up, uh, not grew up in Spain. He, he played all his career in Betis after Red Star Belgrade. And then I'll never forget a moment that I started realizing that after probably four seasons of series that I was like, oh, this is, he's going to take it to a different level because uh, we're playing a training game. Um, and like series was owned by a, a guy who owned all the, the biggest boss company in the Philippines. So, you know, he had a lot of resources, you know, financially. So he brought this coach in. And I remember the right back having the ball in a training game. And I ran towards him to receive the ball. Um, so I'm going off topic from your question. but That's All right. Yeah, go for it. So, so I, I, I went towards him to, to get the ball, like, you know, give it to me. And he stopped the game. He's like, no, no, no. He goes like, why are you running towards him? You're closing his space. You know, like you, if you want to support him, you need to actually go away from the ball. And I'd never been taught all this. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, I know that's a very Spanish-based based way of seeing the game or Spanish philosophy, but it's, it's so true because it's something I've never been taught in Northern Ireland. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, think about my space. Think about how I can get more time in the ball by finding space. You know, I was always taught, like, go and get the ball and then make something happen. But you're so so deep, you're not affecting the play higher up. You're also not supporting the guy on the ball because you close his space. But also when you receive, you're boxed into an area that you don't need to be in. And then I started realizing, like, oh, okay, this might be my last season here because he's going to bring in more Spanish players who think about it. Because, you know, he only allowed four or five foreigners in his team. So, yes. and that, that did happen. He offered me a coaching role in the club. I did that for, like, two months. And I was like, no, I still want to play and took all the chances. But... Um, a typical week it depends on the on the on the staff, but a typical week for holistically football, um, depending on when your game is, I use Qatar. Qatar is probably a lot more professional than yeah, a lot of clubs in Southeast Asia. Depending on the club, but uh, uh, if we have a game and it depends on the periodization of the coach, like I said, the staff because every every country is different or the coaching staff is different. So if we have either we have a game then a day off. If you don't have a day off, you're in for recovery. And then you have a day off, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then you start off the week, uh, you know, tapering the week. But uh, use uh, Philippines the same as here. The the, the the subs that didn't play would usually do a football conditioning session. You know, usually, you know, like uh, the fitness coach would take them to certain runs and then would play like a double box game, you know, two keepers, 4v4, three sets, you know. So the subs always have to try to match the fitness levels of what they missed out on on the GPS with the players, if that makes sense. Yep. You know what I mean? So they always have to do something extra. Um, I know you see it a lot of times now. Players do it after the game, where they'll do their runs or they'll do it, you know, within the confines of straight after the game, like yeah. when everyone's sitting inside. But yeah, that was a, a, like a typical week. Like I said, a day off, recovery, and then back in, and then you'd start the the load of the because now a lot of times now I think uh, football's very like there's a lot of. Uh, physical elements in the game and a lot of physical coaches have a massive input to the head coach, you know, yep. on the load of the, of the session on a certain day, you know, uh, if it's match day plus one or match, sorry, match day minus one, minus two. Um, I think uh, obviously the analysts control the GPS, you know, so I think that's now massive in yep. the game, um, especially here in Qatar because they invest a lot into this stuff. But I, I'm not, uh, I don't want to say I'm not, I, I, I don't know if it's, the, the only way to go you know what i mean yeah because i think like uh you have uh, different methods and and you know you have uh javi was here and he wasn't a big advocate of it you know um he didn't sure. he didn't really see the benefit of it because he was saying like you know you might not run 10k but you could affect the game more in possession if that makes sense sure you know i think so, that was an amazing experience for you for, 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 um 
for you from what you've just been saying there, mate, is, you know, you've went out the, the series, you've went played out in, in Southeast Asia, but you've got the experience, you know, the, the cultures of, you know, South Korean coaching staff, of the Spanish methodology, and, you know, all those, you know, experiences are going to add you and your your, your, your coaching um, knowledge and experiences down the line. Um, so did, did you make the full transition then after that season with um, the coach from Betis, uh, sorry, the player from Betis, did you make that transition then into a coach at Ceres? Yeah, so then I had an option because, because he basically, you know, said, he sat me down one day and said, like, you know, he wants to bring in different players, but he liked my character, personality, and would I would I want to help him and the coaching staff? And um, I was like, yeah, it would be a pleasure, you know, because uh, it was come to that stage, I was like, it's going to be hard to even get a club, you know, just you could probably get a club within the same league. But And then one of the coaches that was in the Philippines uh, at the time, a Scottish coach, he ended up getting a good move to Indonesia, which is a much bigger league, bigger fan base, because it's a big, populated country and he offered me to come out to Indonesia and um, so when I went out there I thought it would be easy but I probably adapted too much to where I was and I found it hard in the first month you know and then uh, I left went to Oman uh, for an opportunity uh, didn't didn't sign there and then it's funny enough I was like in a state of limbo and the, the, the guy in Indonesia called me again he was like I, I know you're in, in terms of that transition of playing and coaching you said but there's a coaching opportunity here in Bangkara in Indonesia would you want to come out for a season? And uh, I was like, okay, let me, this could be the start. Because I think when you start to get late 20s, early 30s, you, you do have to ask yourself a question. How long can I keep this going? Do you know what I'm saying? Or what is, what's next? You know what I mean? Can I start my plan early? And uh, I look at someone like, uh, oh, what's his name? There's a coach from, I always forget his name. There's a coach from uh, Northern Ireland who was at Spurs and United um, as assistant coach. Oh, I forget his name. Paul something. Oh, his name will come to me. But uh, he was he's assistant at United last year. Um, he's now Ipswich head coach, and he he got he got released from Spurs early because he had a bad hip injury. So he got into coaching like twenty one, let's say. So I think that experience he had for that early stages set him in good stead. Do you know what I mean to be sure. end up becoming assistant at Manchester United? You know, so um, he was assistant for so far last year. You know, so when you see that, um, I probably I probably made the right decision at the right time because I think, you know, people say to play as long as you can, which I would still say. But if you can have that experience of doing your badges early while you're playing, if you have that experience of um, getting some experiences while you're playing, it will set you in good stead for the future. You know, if, if it's coaching you want to go into. 100%. And then so you've went to the Bayankara over in Indonesia. Are you your assistant coach there? Are you in, Are you working with the first yeah, team? Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, they had a physical coach already. So I was helping with that just because I did my first few years as obviously sports science. And I was helping with that, but I was also helping with the assistant coaching role. Um, and I was in the first team. And so it was a lot of Bayankara is probably, it's a police team. So they have a lot of national team players. So we had, uh, and uh, that was my first experience of like, it was incredible because like Philippines series is big, but Indonesia, like you're getting, you're playing against Procedure Jakarta and there's 60, 70,000 people in the stadium. Um, and you're sitting there going like this, this is incredible. But why Indonesia is the, there's such a big fan base is because each city will have one team or two teams and each city has, you know, a population of six, seven million. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, if you look at Jakarta and you have Procedure, you know, Indonesia has 280 million people in the country. So you're going to some provinces with four million people and only have one team, you know what I mean? And and, and football's their because they're a Dutch colony, football's their 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 passion. So we went to Arima, we went to Percy Bangdong, and you, you have eighty thousand people. Um, and it's just it was incredible, incredible. I couldn't, uh, you know, like um, people used to. It's just 
I don't know how to explain it. Like they're just so fanatic about football and the Indonesian league, you know, um, yeah. that that was mind blown for me. Um, and the standard is growing, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's still a bit corrupt as well, the league, you know, because uh, uh, a lot of people see it as a way to, you know, uh, make a lot of money, especially involved in the, in the football clubs, you know, yeah, um, because they get big a big fan base. So, um, but yeah, great great experience uh, coaching some very technical players who ended up playing for Indonesian national team. So that was another. And my first training session, we had a, we you know we had a. I'll tell you this, mate. We had a. Yeah. I, I arrived at the hotel and Simon Benjamin from Scotland. Obviously, he was Indonesian national team coach after that. But he said to me, "You like that Portuguese player?" He's like he was about thirty five at the time, and. Uh, and I, I, uh, I said, oh, you know, why is this? And he said, oh, he, he played for Sporting Lisbon all through his academy and he's the 84, 85 generation. So that was Cristiano Ronaldo's generation, you know? Right. So obviously, I want to ask him about a million questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So because, like I said, where we come from, we don't get these experiences. So as soon as I arrived there, we went for a limber the day after because you stay in a hotel the day before a game. So you'll fly to like Arima or you'll fly because everything's flight in these are all different islands in yeah. Southeast Asia. So you'll fly to a game and we went to the hotel and the next morning we're limbering so i started to speak to him at the back of the limber you know when limbering means just go for a walk you know just to okay. warm up the legs or so i started to speak to him and i started to speak those experiences in in uh, sports in lisbon and all these experiences and it was just mind-blowing you know he, when he talks about uh the obviously you, you know eventually you go on the question about ronaldo don't you, you know like you're, yeah. you're waiting for that from the first second but yeah trying to build into that you know so he was actually in ricardo charisma's age group and then Ronaldo was a year below them, but played in his age group and a year above, if that makes sense. Yeah. And what he said was incredible because he said, like, his work ethic, his uh, his determination, his drive, everything everyone's already heard. But hearing that from someone that was in his youth team since eight, nine years old is incredible. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just staying on the pitch longer than everyone, breaking into the gym to try and do extras. And that, I thought that was incredible, you know. And, and I think Paulo, as much as he regrets, because... The guy Paulo become he he was the best player in the nineteen European Championships and they they right. they played Italy in the final. He got best player. Told me an incredible story. He said uh, he went to the European Championships on the nineteens, came back, uh, was told by Sporting to rest. Like you, you, you this is his story to me because I never yeah. saw my own eyes. But uh, he said you 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 rest for a few weeks. But um, on that week or the second week was when United played Sporting and Ronaldo had been brought from the youth team into the first team. I don't know if you remember that game where he yeah. ends up killing Joe O'Shea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he ends up killing John O'Shea and, and Paulo said then he got a move and Ricardo Charisma got a move. So Paulo was the last winger because he's the same type of player. Uh, Sporting yeah. always develop very similar wingers. You look at Nani or Yanni Jallo, they're all the same, you know what I mean? Very tricky yeah. players who dominate 1v1. And he said that Arsenal actually put in a bid for him after European Championship on 19s and Sporting didn't let him go. And I was like, wow, incredible. Because after Sporting said you have to stay you're the last winger that we have in you know that age group um, and he said to me he didn't go but he doesn't regret it and it was one of the best things I ever heard mate, because I said to him like you know you've seen Ricardo Charisma go to the heights he has Ronaldo go to the heights he played in Sporting's first team a new coach came and didn't believe in him so he fell down the peck in order asked could he go on loan and asked could he sign for another club end up falling down the leagues you know end up in Indonesia not where he should be with all due respect to Indonesia and I asked him, I said, uh, do you have any regrets about that? You know, you could have been playing in the Premier League or at the you know, heights they are. He said, no, because I've got two beautiful daughters and I've got a beautiful family and that, that's the most important. And I was like, wow, you know, because yeah. you're expecting, you weren't, I wasn't expecting that, you know what I mean? And it really, it really put things in, in perspective for me. You know, there's, a, uh, as much as I love football, but there's, there's bigger things there than just football, you know? 
So hundred percent, mate. And I'm sure it's just just being involved with um, with Bankara and having your assistant um, role, role there, and the amount of players and experiences, you know, just uh, you know, a lad from Belfast to to be exposed to all these players <laughs> and at that level, mate. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Um, so you, you spent the season there, and then did, did then you moved on, did you? I spent the season there, and then uh, I started to know that a lot of these leagues around the world they require you to finish your licenses, um, just because of the federation. So I had to go home and, and obviously uh, finish my B at the time, um, you know, because nowadays you can probably get away with the first season in clubs, you know, with your with the licenses, you know, like a C, let's say. I had to go back and finish my B because Indonesia transitioned into, if you want to go to the AFC Cup or anything, you have to have a certain license. So I went home mate, um, and I, I ended up, uh, how can I say, uh, uh, taking... Uh, forward step to do my licenses um, so I had to move back home obviously I lost an opportunity but I knew that in the long term uh, gain that opportunities will come and I'll, I, it's better to do it now because it, maybe a big opportunity comes in the future which has and I might not have my licenses or what they require you know and I'm not saying licenses are everything but unfortunately federations around the world now yeah. require to, you to do them you know yeah, you've got to tick the box, you know, but, um, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of great material on them. You know, I'd, I'd done my UFB with the, with the Welsh FA and the comparison yeah, I remember you, from, yeah, yeah. the comparison from, um, you know, the, the, the UEFA licenses to the US, you know, big, big culture shift. But um, how did you find the B license in, with the IFA? Um, I would definitely say that uh, I think you probably picked the best uh, country to do it in i think wales or uh, england also is very good uh, i think welsh the, the our head coach in uh in Kitsar sports club he did all his licenses in wales um and he was in a great group or a pool of players you know and uh, i spoke to you know because there's a there's a big uh, pool of ex-players now coming to qatar because the world cup's coming so uh, we have a big academy called aspire and tim cahill is is head one of the heads of that so I've had a few conversations with him, and he did his license in Wales as well. He does a license. In I Wales. got lucky with that. So, man. I actually got. Uh, I was through um, one of the coaching companies I was working for, UK Elite Soccer. They had a yeah. an affiliation with the Welsh FA. I I was um I was lucky enough to get on that one. But yeah, it was, you know, it was a good experience. I, I wish we had done it. We we actually done ours in an intensive environment. You know, from like a it was like a Sunday to a Sunday, and then you had all your yeah. work experiences afterwards. So it was very much crammed in. I wish it had been a little bit. You know, over a longer period, just so that we could, yeah. you know, really um, had the time to implement it, and you know, in your day to day coaching as well. But you know, mm. it, you get the opportunity to, to do your B license, you kind of just jump on it, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah. And I, like I said, I think the the Welsh FA uh, and seeing stuff now they have online and everything, I think it's probably one of the the, the best licenses to do to do in the UK. Without, uh, you know, knocking any other licenses, um, the experience in RFA was incredible. I'd already. Obviously, you know, like you said, Sean Paul is one of the guys taking the licenses, an incredible coach, an incredible person. But I had experience of him from getting coached in, in, in Belfast College. So um, I knew a lot of the coaches, Kieran Donnick, you play against him in the Irish League. And um, it was a great week. I, I met a lot of connections, built a lot of relationships, and I learned a lot as well on the course, as, as you know. You know, you learn a lot in terms of functions and phases. And, and uh, it was, uh, I think... Uh, it's probably a lot more nerve-wracking than anything, the yeah. actual moment. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and uh, the the whole of experience and the people from coming from Canada, America, a lot of met a lot of good coaches from that side of the world. I met a lot of guys from Portugal, from from England. So, I think building the relationships there, it was well worth it. And what I learned was incredible on their IFA course. Mm-hmm. 
And so you've got your B license. I mean, when did the opportunity come about to go to Qatar? Um, I actually, uh, when I was Qatar, so I did a bit of work back home, obviously little, you know, little Swansea development thing. Um, yep. And then I, I left, I got a, I got an opportunity to go to, the first of all I had here in Qatar through a, a good friend of mine was coming to work for the national team, Futsal, uh, to do their technical coaching. So I came in for, they had a, they were going into the Asian Cup and they said, can you come in for a month and work? on our players technically okay so uh, i don't have a big team? futsal backcourt yeah oh, for the wow. futsal team yeah 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 so the 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 guy had recommended me he's like i oh, you know he's done assistant coaching and he works a lot in technique and stuff and and he's like come on in and he was like you can also implement the, you can help with the physical side you know because they had a fitness coach but you can help because what you find a lot of times with the coaching you, you sometimes you might be in one role but you do have to assist in another role if you can do you know what i'm saying sure. um so I came in, did a month of that. The coach that was the futsal coach at the time, he ended up getting a, a, a job in one of the clubs on the 23 teams, Qatar Sports Club. So you have 12 teams in the QSL, Qatar Stars League, um, and Qatar Sports Club's one of them. So the head coach of that futsal team got a job there. And then he called me. I was like, would you come back on a full-time basis to Qatar Sports Club on the 23s? This is probably 2018, 2019. I was like, yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, on the 23s. It would be incredible, you know, coaching professional footballers who play in under 23. And Qatar has a lot of investment, a lot of funding. So they're under 23s are full time. Even though on the 14s, 15s, they go to school, but they play every night. You know what I mean? They train every day. Um, so when I came in, they had a Spanish staff on the first team. And that was their first year in, in the club. Okay. So I've come in thinking I'm going straight in the 23s. And the Spanish staff's come in. A guy called Carlos, he came from La Masia, the academy, and he said, I want all the staff together, even the 23s. I want them to help us in pre-season. So I'm sitting there going, wow, like I've literally just came in the 23s thinking it's going to be all kids, you know, like younger players. Yeah. And then I put, jumped into the first team pre-season. And that was a great experience. Um, I just missed it by about two months because Samuel Eto was playing for Qatar Sports Club. And he had just left the month before, but I saw him training because obviously I went down to the training ground and stuff, you know what I mean? But I never got to really interact with him on the coaching side. Like my own self, I, I, I'd been in the same facility as him, watched him on the pitch, you know, observed in a sense with the 23s. When the coach called us, he he got released, you know what I mean? So that would have been interesting, you oh, know, but sure, I think yeah. Qatar on a whole, they get such, yeah, they get such an influx of big players coming here and uh, it's incredible um i said to some of the young kids there in qatar i said listen you guys are so blessed to have these opportunities of getting javi to come in and give you knowledge and you know so many coaches but uh with all due respect to them i think they take it for granted sometimes because they're so used to it do you know what i mean Absolutely. um because of the world cup this might be something for another episode um but how was it coaching in a futsal environment was that uh was that different because i mean i don't know if i feel like uh whenever you're from belfast it's like there's no such real thing as futsal like you play your fives indoor whatever it comes off the wall but you know i was never exposed it's, to futsal uh, as a kid yeah so um, i just had to adapt me um what i did was uh uh i didn't really go into the elements of the tactical side because i, I don't have knowledge of that you know but yeah. what i did do was if i was doing a passing exercise or I was doing a 1v1 i started to realize that in futsal they use the sole of the foot a lot yeah so the control is first with the sole of the foot um and then it's, it's like i said i stayed away from tactical they had a head coach and another assistant but with the technical doing a lot of passing exercise doing a lot of possession games uh, uh transition possession games and um, 1v1 because futsal is like if the keeper throws it out you can't kick it back to him you can't lift it you know so you have to be your you have to dominate your 1v1 situations so it's just basically 1v1 all over the court um and like i said players receiving on the sole 
but I, I didn't spend too long in, in, in to, to say I'm, I, I have enough knowledge on it, but I just adapted my technical exercise from football, tried to make them, I just, you know, do a bit of research, start to watch that players receive a lot more in their soul. They receive a lot more, uh, they create space by movement to check in, check out, if that makes sense, because there's a tight yep. space oh, and uh, these type of things and you adapt, you know, yeah, and lucky enough, uh, I'm in a country that's still growing as well. So it would, have, it would have been possible for me to go to like a Spain or a Brazil and try to teach them. You know what I mean? But this is a country that's still developing in futsal. So uh, it was a great, great opportunity. Do you think there's uh, there's room for futsal, like, you know, for, for, for players to, to play both um, and it to be a good development experience? Or do you think it's too much of a completely different game? Um, I feel so, like so at I'll, youth I'll, level, I feel like it, it could be a good little supplement to your, you know, your outdoor play. Um, but it's, you know... Go ahead. Yeah, I'll tell you a story, mate. When I when I first came to Qatar Sports Club, just like I said, I come in 23s. I'm, I'm going to start work next month, so I spend the month just watching them and everything. Like, I, and uh, they had a they had an Argentinian coach. Um, I forget his name, but he he was like he played in the 70s, he played in the 80s, like you know, won the one one of the World Cups and stuff. Because you know, Qatar they always invest in these big coaches to come in, head coaches. Um, so, and I remember speaking to the fitness coach at the time. He was Brazilian. And I remember going to a game with him and the goalkeeper coach. And the, he had come from the national team Brazil at youth level. So obviously, as soon as I hear that, I want to ask him every question I can. You know, we're sitting watching a Qatar Stars game and literally I'm man-marking him. Like literally, he's trying to get away from me. Like he's looking, <laughs> is this guy going to leave me alone? Um, but I started asking him, I said, why is it in Brazil you guys develop so much? Like why do you develop technical players? You know, you're in the national team on the 17s. How, you know, how do you find the players he said obviously there's a big pool of players but he said one of the reasons is i think he was in at the time he was in like uh he was in sao paulo let's say let's say it might have been santos but he said they had in their philosophy where the kids had to play futsal as part, part of the curriculum if that makes sense so let's say they trained five times a week two nights would have to be in the futsal court you know what i mean and to a certain age from like eight to 13 it was only futsal and then like 12 13 was out in the pitch because he was saying like your mechanics are different and stuff, you know, because you can't play any longer than that because obviously you adapt more into the small spaces and just food itself. So at a certain age, you got to let them go outside, you know what I mean? Because physically, Obviously. you know, he was trying to explain it. But he said the the touch of the ball, the ball control, the 1v1 domination, the ability to create space for yourself, the angle of support, the timing of your movement, all these things was from futsal. And in Brazil, he said a lot of things are street football, but also in the academies, they replicated that with futsal, you know what I mean? In the curriculums. So Absolutely. I thought that was incredible. I, I, I said, I'll take that for the rest of my life. Uh, I'll never forget that. No, it's, it's something I'd really love to, you know, um, have our PD1 teams um, experience yeah. is some futsal. You know, at the minute we've been playing a lot of, a lot of indoor leagues um, and I want to continue to do that and, and play indoor, you know, year round. I just think it just, like you said before, the 1v1s, the creating space for yourself, the speed of play, um, the technical side of it. Um, I think it's fantastic. But I feel like futsal is such a fast-paced game that, you know, it, it it's it's tough for the ball to actually stay in play a, a lot at the at the at the youth level. But um, yeah. I'm got to get to that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So you've yeah. moved. You're you're now at um, Qatar um, Sports League, um, and you've got. Have you now moved uh, transitioned from the U23s into the f- first team full time? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've uh, transitioned. Uh, so I just want to go back to something you just said about the futsal. Just before we go, go for me, absolutely. Uh, forward. I think also. I, I think also the the ability to receive all parts of the foot, and I think that when it's like 
you know, we are playing on a grass field, let's say. A lot of kids you'll see receive with the inside of the foot, you know, but the ball's not attached to their body as soon as they receive on the inside. Now, if you look at someone like uh, Deco, you look at Thiago Alcantara, they, they can manipulate the ball with the outside, with the inside, but also with the sole. And I think the sole is the key for me because <laughs> if you can receive with the sole, you still can control the ball while you can be aware and, and uh, how can scan. I say, you know, scan and take pictures, you know, yeah. perception. Um, what the balls on your foot so i think using the sole because the foot's how you have to use it because the ball gets away from you someone's going to win the ball do you know what i mean you have less space so i think also working on receiving skills also the ability to keep the ball on the ground because in futsal you can't launch it up in the air so you've yeah. got to find that pass integrate pass with the outside with the inside and you've got to have domination technically coif outside foot inside chop you know roll and step over so many skills that you'll have to use and you don't have as much space um, in the futsal, so I just I want to go back to that. that. That's why. I mean, it's great, and actually, I think the IFA. The last time I was back home, they are doing you know a, a lot in regards to futsal and um, creating different programs for the youth. Um, they, they, they get playing futsal, which I think is fantastic because when you you look at the Irish league football, it's not really it's um no it's it's, uh, it's completely it's, uh, different from uh you know keeping the ball on the ground like you said before doing a lot of work off the ball a lot of aerial challenges um you know that's that's that of soccer but um obviously that then has a, a knock on effect to you know the the, the soccer in your, in your whole country um and how you get yeah hundred percent um so you you've, you've yeah. went the Qatar Sports League mate um. And you're, yeah. are you now in the uh, first team? Yeah, so uh, I was quite fortunate. Uh, obviously, our 23s did quite well in, in the league. Um, the only 23 football here is live on TV. Uh, they've invested a lot into it. So we came third one year. So I obviously, you know, it's very results-driven here, unfortunately, in, in Qatar, as much as they say it isn't. Maybe U19's done, it's not, but 23's in first team because it's live on TV and, you know, the club wants to have a good account of itself. We did quite well, got kept on. And then a new coach came in and I got an opportunity from the over 23s to come in to the first team on a full-time role. So I've worked on my third coaching staff now in, in, in the first team, um, but also always have an opportunity to go back to 23s if I ever had to, because the club wanted to see me as a club coach. You know what I mean? Um, and I would say something I spoke to you earlier on about, you know, obviously I love the technical tactics side, but I also need to learn about the my people skills and and uh, people management and having more empathy towards people and I think that's also helped me stay in the role as much as the technical tactical side and the cur- uh, how can I say the the curve for for players development also you know how I communicate with them how I have an understanding towards them inside and outside of football you know so um, I think that's a big thing I would advise coaches yeah but you're you're right it's that the people management skills are are such a a big um, influence on on just creating that environment for a player to be able to grow, right? Um, if 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 they don't oh, care, you know, if um, you go you go the extra mile whenever you realize someone is they're bought into you, not just about the results. They're bought into you as an individual, aren't they? So it, absolutely, yeah, um, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. Um, so have you got what's what, what's the um, what's your future ambitions in coaching? Have you got any other, are, are you happy where you are right now? Would you like to experience any other companies or are you just seeing how things go? You know, Qatar uh, has been an incredible experience, especially leading up to a World Cup. We have the World Cup here in November. Um, so the influx of like players and I, sometimes I sit and pinch myself. I, I, I can't explain it. Like, uh, you know, uh, I'm lucky 
enough to be a part of a coaching staff, but we play against other teams. So we're playing against uh, Al Saad uh, last year, who had, like I said, Javi as coach. So, you know, you're sitting on the bench and um, you're walking through the tunnel and you see a guy like that. But it's incredible because, like I said, maybe for someone else, it's, it's, it, there's something, there's a bit of normality there. But where we grew up, I never had the, those experiences. So I'm, I'm almost like I'm, I'm in awe of these people, you know, because of, I watched them all my life, you know. Uh, I watched them, how, how can I say, you know, I grew up watching like Xavi or Laurent Blanc or these, these, and then you're seeing them in the tunnel, you're seeing them on, on the, on the other bench, you know, and sometimes I, in the warm up, I'm, I'm more, I, I'll never forget this. Al Sad signed Santi Gazzola and sorry to use these names because it's just the experience. Okay, I've seen, go for it. Because, yeah, I would love to hear because it. We're, yeah, because we're in awe of these people, you know, like I, I grew up watching these people. So I'm on the, I'm in Qatar Sports Club. This is last year. Uh, I, I'm on the pitch on one side. Obviously we're doing the warm up. And they're on the other side, you know, because you have two different halves, obviously, you know, warming up. And I'm literally spending more time watching Santi Gazzola warm up than I'm watching my own team warm up. (laughs) So he's hitting, he's literally hitting the ball with both feet. He's hitting shots with right, then he won his left and hit a shot. And I'm like, has anyone else seen this? This is incredible. Like it's, it's a different level, but that's what I'm saying. Like these experiences of, of watching these coaches and watching these players. And uh, this year we were lucky enough to sign Javier Martinez, you know, from Bayern Munich. And uh, I was almost like a kid again, you know, sitting with him doing analysis and I'm going like, I, I with someone like that, I'm not, not that I try to teach anyone, any of the players, anything, but with someone like that, I'm just trying to soak up everything he knows. Just, yeah. as I'm saying, because he's had nine years of Bayern Munich's first team, um, and I'm not saying I can learn any more from him than I do other players, but I know there's certain things that he's learned that he can teach me that will set me in good stead for my coaching career because I'm still learning myself and I'm trying to soak up as much knowledge as I can. And he's had the best coaches in the world. He's had Guardiola, Ancelotti, Hankers, Hinks, and coaches like that. So I'm like, I'm, I'm a sponge when I'm around him. And sometimes it's very hard doing a passing exercise or something like that because you know that you're going, receiving the back foot and he's going, you know what I mean? Like... It's like I've done this in the Champions League, yeah. Butter, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going, oh yeah, I'm a good one. <laughs> well, yeah. I remember I would share an experience with him. Yeah, I remember sitting with him, uh, doing analysis before on how he received the ball because we did a little thing where because we used Weisgart and he came out of space to receive it and he received on his right and played with his left and it was like receiving the right to play with the left, you know, to sw- like switch the play. Yeah. And I said to him, "Can you explain to me why you did that? Like, can you explain to me why you receive a like, player and you didn't turn your whole body around to receive with the right and play with the right?" He says, "Because you lose time, you know what I mean. So it's faster receive with the right, and on one movement you can play with the left. And there's that that little detail, and it's like it's something so simple, but not every player would do that. Some people will receive the right and try to play with the right, but you lose time in terms of trying to open your body up and play. And uh, these are little experience details and sometimes, sorry to say, a lot of these players, when I run into them, they probably think I'm crazy because of all the questions I ask them. You know, no one else is, because in Qatar, no one bothers them too much here. You know, no, it's not, there's not a big interest for football where people are bothering them. But if I ever, like if I run into Xavi, I'm asking them about when I, like in the club, outside the club, I'm asking them like, oh, so what do you do before you receive the ball? When, when do you scan? And he's probably thinking like, this guy's crazy. Like that's all he talked about is football. Do you I, know I think so, your passion well, uh, c- c- comes across very well, mate. You know, you're a very likeable oh, guy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Be, uh, thank you. I think, I, I think they'll be, you know, happy to hear from me. But um, so what's, um, what, what's the current philosophy at, Qatar Sports League, um, like who's the, is it is a very um, Spanish methodology at the minute, or did they, sorry, did those guys get the chop, or sorry, or in the in the clubs you mean, or the, yes. the, the league no, no, just oh, in like so, in, in Qatar Sports League in your club right now with oh, the current, Qatar Sports um, Club, okay, yeah, so uh, 
you have different coaches in the league, mate. You have uh, Al Saad, obviously, obviously had a very Spanish base, which I mean, now they've replaced them with Luis Garcia. It was a Watford, if you remember. Yes. Yep. So they are they are dominate possession. We've played against them a lot of the times. Players stay in position. So you, I use, uh, they, but they have also the best players. They have most of the national team in the team. Also a team called De Hill also have most of the national team players. But you can tell that they, when you play against them, you know that you're going to have less of the ball. Okay. These like are sad. Um, I I, uh, I sat this year when we play against them. They have a kid, kid called Akron Mafif, who's probably the best player in the league as a local um, winger. Then they had, uh, they play a 4-3-3. Um, they play, uh, no, it, yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's weird. They play like a, they play like a box midfield, like four, two, and then two in front. Do you know what I mean? And they play the two in front in like the half space, you know, like the number yep. two and the number four. So Cazola will be one of them, and then another guy uh, that that's a, a also national team player. So they play in the half space, but they just play a little bit deep for the fullback to go in and pick him up but a little bit high for the midfielder to, to look behind him and pick him up. Does that make sense? Yep. So it's like in the in, inside the channel, but on the half space. And I was trying to analyze it this year when I was sitting down. I was like, how would you play against this? You know what I mean? And and that was obviously, that's what, that's your job. But once you've seen it live, it's like, it's incredible. It's players in position to affect the play. Yeah, it's such a, a great challenge, but it's also like, you really have to think. And if you're on the on the bench trying to think about it, you're going, how's a player even trying to, you know, because it's, it's, you know, our players have to communicate really well who goes, who stays. Because if the right back goes, then the winger is free to, to, to come in. If a centre-back jumps, then the space for the number nine to run into the depth. Do you know what I'm saying? To utilise that. If a midfielder drops uh, too deep, then the other midfielder for them can get on it in the, in the base in the number six position. So you start to see it's like chess, but players stay in the position for a reason. Obviously, that's the... But that's the Spanish philosophy, you know. Um, uh, now in uh, Duhail, they they have uh, last year they had a Portuguese staff, and they were at Shakhtar. But this year they just got Henan Crespo. He came from the Brazilian league, so I haven't seen too much of him because he's only he's only came in the last three months. So I'd love to see what his philosophy is because he's brought in all Argentinian stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? So really depending on the club. Our staff now is Moroccan, but our coach actually did his license since the Wales so he has a very British kind of mentality even though he loves technique and work inside because he was a national team player but you can see the Welsh FA have, have like had a, a, an input into his philosophy his coaching. if that makes sense yeah. you know what I mean so yeah you can see that massively but I mean, he's very big air. into so isn't Sorry, just off air, mate. You were you were Go saying, ahead, you know, a, a big thing about your role at the at the at the club, which I thought was really interesting. You know, you're involved with doing a lot of video analysis with players, but on on an individual basis, and not so much the tactical elements, but just on their how they maybe receive a ball. Would you talk about it uh, about that? What you do with players on an individual basis? Yes, yes, it would be a pleasure. Um, so basically, uh, the coaches came in who played in the Premier League for nine or ten years, and he's massive into technique. You know, he played for Raja Casablanca, and he's so big into technique. So he gave me a role within, you know, as an assistant. Obviously, as his his, his second assistant, um, who does more of the tactical stuff, who does the corners and everything like that. But my my role now is to do more of the individual development uh, plans. So I would sit with a player after a game. Let's say we have a game on a normally we play here Friday nights so for Friday or Saturday so we'll play on a Friday night and then I would sit we'll play on a, uh, the first day back in or, or uh, you know game day plus two and I would sit with him and depending on the player he's picked out let's say he's picked two midfielders and I would sit with them individually and we use a thing called Y-Scout so basically on Y-Scout you can get any uh, as soon as uh, it's incredible as soon as you type in 
the you can get any league in the world. As soon as you type it in, you can get the footage of the last game. But you can get a breakdown of each player moments. So is it his uh, in possession passes, receiving skills, and you can get every single moment. You know what I mean? So I would basically download certain clips if I need more. Put them together. You know, put a circle on them, and then uh, I would sit with the player. Um, uh, in possession, out of possession, and we would just go through it. You know what I mean? So in that moment, uh, he did very well. I always try to do in like an 80-20 format, my own, this is my own thing, where it's a lot more positive than negative, you know what I mean? Because I find that works because then if you do need to tell them something critical, they're ready to listen to you because they're not saying that every time it's just you coming in and being too critical. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so I come in and I'll sit with them with the iPad and the laptop and uh, we'll go through the moments of the game. So for, you say... The, the 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 more mature players, the more experienced players, they like it even more. Younger players uh, sometimes probably overlook it, but I think it's something that's key because they can see everything they did. So you know, let's say on the on the seventeenth minute, he's received it. He's tried to be on the half. He's tried to turn on a blind pass, not know what's behind him before scanning, and he's hit a wall. You know, someone's someone's won it from him. Uh, you know, in, in the in the first third, and then we 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 go back to that and we say, okay, when that guy had the ball. If you look now, was there a chance to scan? There's always a chance to scan, but you know, when what moments could you have scanned when he was on the ball, when the ball's in transition? You know, could you get your body position in, in onto more of a half turn so you can see the whole picture? You know, could you could you get out of that space for someone else to come in? You know, so these little details is, is what we start to look at. And then it's really helped actually our center field has probably helped him the most because he's he's in he's in the national team. And he's one of the ones that always asks, you know, okay, Armin, count and also I, I would also um, let's say I sit with yourself uh, or the guy Omar. Once we watch the footage, we'll go out in the training ground and we'll try to recreate that situation. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'll punch it to him as a centre back. Can he receive? Now, can he get his body angle different? Can he see the whole picture? Whereas before he received in a closed body position. And the big one for Omar, what's really helped him this year, mate, is uh, he started to play more with his brain than the physical element. So he started to see the football more cognitive than anything because Omar was known as a guy who would, you know, outrun people, outfight, outwork people, but also in possession probably would be a bit rushed, you know, like try to break the lines with running with the ball. Now he's playing higher up in pockets of space. Now he's not having to use as much energy. Now he's playing 90 minutes easy because he's not burnt out after 65 minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm sure it's very he's using his brain more. important to be able to see that for yourself, you know, and the influence that you're having on a player. Um, yeah, you know, um, it's... Yeah, it's been it's been amazing, and he's he's helped me so much because it's helped me develop as a as a coach, you know. And seeing that it does work with you know people who are ready to put in that time and watch their performances and how can they improve, even that just that one percent, you know. Um, what watching footage of themselves or or asking people, you know, okay, I received it and I lost it. Well, it might be a positive you received it and did well, but you might have had a better option. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm never I would never say it's a it's a it's a how can I say. It's a bad choice. It's a bad decision because if that decision worked out, it's a great choice. You know what I'm saying? So, but I, I just want to not only say to them, like at that moment you did that, but maybe you had other options. And next time you get that ball in that position, now you have three options, you know? So, and it's just seeing that picture again. And, you know, it could be just you asking a coach because you don't always have to have footage of it. It could be you just thinking back about the game that night, you know, thinking, okay, in that situation I received, could I receive by getting to more of space, you know, running deep? You know, uh, could I have received with a, a different part of my foot? And I think, uh, yeah, we have to be uh, critical in our self-development, you know. So are you, are you running a few... So is this happening um, right after 
after the training session or is this in times embedded throughout the week or do you have a schedule that you do that with? Yes. Or is it, uh-huh. This this is embedded through the week. Uh, so basically, uh, depending on is it on field or or using, like I said, by scout, um, uh, we have an analyst, obviously, he does more of the tactical stuff. So I would do more of the individual stuff uh, and I would just try to find days where I can fit players uh, uh, depend on on their position uh, specifically, you know. So if it's a centre back, obviously he he requires something completely different because the game's in front of him. So his his awareness is different from a centre fielder who's receive, receiving with the game behind him. Does that make sense? Um, Absolutely. So for instance, a number ten will have to scan a lot more than a, a centre back, you know, because the centre back probably has a little bit more time in the ball. Listen, he has to still be very aware, but the game's in front of him. Do you know what I'm saying? So his body position naturally should be facing forward. There's not really many people coming from behind him. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, whereas in number 10, at any moment, their centre-back could jump or their number six could jump. So he always has to be aware. So his his time's uh, a lot more limited, you know, to receive the ball. So he has to be a lot quicker. He has to move it a lot quicker, one, two touch. You know, the centre-back probably can receive on his back foot, open his body, and he has more time to take a touch and play the right back or play it between the lines into the, the squares for the eight and 10, you know. Um, whereas in number 10 and number eight, it's in a crowded position where you're going to have to receive. So yeah, we did a lot of work on specifics and that's what, that's the beauty of it, mate, because you're working with a winger and you're thinking, and I think for me now, uh, you know, at a first team level, we want them to express themselves, but we also, we try to teach them to play a lot more simple, you know, try to use the, 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 the mind a lot more to try to try to control the tempo, try to, and the element of surprise uh, in terms of sometimes play one touch, sometimes play two, then in the right moments, go 1v1. But if you go 1v1 every time, you become predictable. And football's a lot like chess, where you want to become unpredictable. You want to have a bit of deception, disguise into what you do. Um, so if you're playing, if I'm a winger and I bounce it one time, one touch, if I check my run to come short and I go long, the next time I've created that space, the fullback's obviously going to drop because I've checked it to go into the space. So he's going to drop. So now I have more space to receive on my back foot and go 1v1. So I can go long and then come short. And now I have more space to get that turn at that angle to go 1v1 with him. But I created that from the prior ball, if that makes sense. Sure. By my by my movement. So this is where I think the brain comes in, you know, and I don't only really think it's physical. I think that you, you almost have to outthink you and outsmart your opponent. Um, and like a number eight, if he's always receiving in the base, like the the first third. It becomes predictable, and also he still has to beat their midfielders. Now, once he starts receiving in the on the on the back of their shoulders on the half turn, he's already beat them with someone's pass. So the centre back can punch it him in, in in the pockets, and now he doesn't even have to beat those two midfielders anymore. He's already received it in their back. Do you understand know what I'm saying? But that didn't come because he he did anything special physically. He used his brain and he got into the right position. So yeah, so I I, I would say control the tempo. Uh, don't be predictable. Sometimes play one. Sometimes play two. You know, go one v one. Um, and I don't want to take it away from players, but I just want to add to their game, you know, yeah, that, take away from the creativity. Sorry. No, I think that's fantastic. You, you're also interesting, you know, just to, to, be, to have to have that opportunity just to work on players individually on their development. I just think it's incredible. Um, so just throughout your time, is there any inspiration? Is there any anyone that, that that stands out? You know, maybe from your playing career. But we'll start with that. Is there any any coaches that you know were really inspiring to you as you were coming through? Yeah, I, I, I mentioned this to yourself. Uh, I think um, a coach that I really liked in, in, in Northern Ireland was Kenny Shields. Obviously, he had, a, he had a great career, you know, coaching Northern Ireland on 17s, 
I think his first coach had taken the Lions Seventeen to the European Championships and they played France and Spain and Turkey. And um, but he, he he did mention to me when I was younger, like uh, on a Saturday, he said to me, "What are you doing Sunday? And is there anything you can do to help yourself, you know, physically on Sunday?" And we didn't really get that back then, you know. What I mean, because football was still transitioning from semi-pro um, into you know, obviously it's a lot of professional teams now. But we didn't get coaches caring once you leave the training ground what you're going to do. And I thought that was massive, you know, at such a young age. And that stands by me because um, not so much. Obviously, he was he 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 loved the technical side. He really loved the technical side. I'll never forget. Uh, doing cone work and I did like inside feet because uh, I used to play a lot you know with the ball outside and I did inside feet and he made everyone watch again because of you know I was like in, you know inside inside outside around the cones but like I said it was it was also because the, the, the care he showed for what I was doing after training I was doing on my outside life you know what I mean to be a better footballer and that sticks by me you know for such a long time and that was in like I said in Northern Ireland um, within players uh, in Qatar I, you know what? We've worked with so many foreigners that have played in, in, in really good league and, and also local players as well because the local players here are very, very blessed. The the opportunities are more for them because of the pool of, of local players, you know what I mean? But these guys have been so lucky to play against some of the top players around the world and in such a good league. Like, if you look at the stadiums, if you look at the facilities, it's incredible. You know, live on TV, they have GPS systems. The training grounds are incredible. Um, but... Some of the foreigners, we, we had a Brazilian striker who came from Santos. He played in Santos before. We had a centre-back from Spain who played in Vera Bremen. And these guys stick to me because they always taught me something. You know what I mean? So they taught me, uh, like, I would ask them a question in terms of, like, you know, we'd be doing a passing exercise. And as a coach, I would still ask them questions like, oh, in that position, what, what would you do? So I'll never forget, like, uh, Alejandro the Galvez, uh, the guy that came, like I said, from Germany. The, the pole was on this side. And you, we were doing a passing drill where you had to receive to go forward on your back foot. So he was going, yeah, obviously you receiving your right foot to go forward. So now I was, it was a bounce pass and the poles on this side, the mannequins on this side. And we did the pass next. And I said, Alejandro, in that situation, what would you, what would you, what would you have really received? Like if, if you, you know, he said, I would get them to bounce it to my outside foot away from the pressure on the safe side of the body. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. So then you start to realize like, wow, okay. And then I took that in, you know, so I soaked up his knowledge that because he's playing in Bundesliga, I never had the opportunity to see Werder Bremen, you know, like on a daily basis. So he was talking about like, he would try to always play away from, from the pressure, you know? So at that time, I didn't know. I always see that, that actually time, I, the, at the top levels, you know, it's like a, as a youth coach, we're always preaching, you know, receive on your outside foot, you know, the turn, but you know what? As the level goes up, a lot of the times the body's actually closed, and the disguise that actually takes the body, you know, the ball, you know, in in the new space. Um, so that no, that's really interesting to, to hear that he was yeah. he was telling you. I that. think uh, I I started to learn that more after because I, I after I'd uh, go, uh, work with him, then I started to uh, try to research more. more and I, yeah. I started to see that uh, it's much better if, if a player has the ball, and uh, you you know this better than anyone. If a player has a ball and he can help his teammate by making the pass playable, uh, meaning he can play a certain weight and accuracy of pass that helps his teammate choose if he wants to play one touch or two touch. He can also play it away from the pressure on the safe side of the body. So if the pressure is coming from the guy's right-hand side, I need to play to his left foot because I allow him to turn. Now, if I play it for the side that the pressure is coming on, then maybe he hits a brick wall. So my pass can actually dictate where he goes because I can see the whole picture. 
Do you know what I'm saying? So little details like that. If a winger or fullback wants to go forward uh, and I play, let's say he's on the right and I play to his left foot, I stop him, the momentum of us transitioning forward. Do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah. Yeah, so now we don't break a line. There's no progression on that pass. Now, if I progress, if I want to progress him, I need to play it in front of him or to the foot he needs it on to progress. Now we can progress by breaking the line, maybe the midfield line to my fullback by the pass. So the pass actually has a message on it. It's telling him to go forward. Do you know what I'm saying? So uh, we, 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 we always talk about skills and I love bond manipulation. I preach by it. But the skill could also just be the weight and accuracy of pass because if I can master that, Football could be as simple as that sometimes. My pass could send a message to my teammate and it could help my teammate to progress, to, to go to where he needs. So I like all the, the skill stuff, which is amazing, like stepovers, one stepovers, because I think you need them as well. But I think you also need to master the basics, you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, but I'm massive into that. Orman, we're, we're going to make this a, a two-parter, like we said before. And I think yeah, yeah, we're going so to... I could talk all day about no, mate, we're going to... the time. No, mate, Sorry. we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're, we're going to have a, you know, we were talking about having a ball manipulation um, episode as well as a two-parter. And, you know, maybe talking a bit more about some of your experiences coaching at the youth level as well. Because I know you've got a lot of experience uh, when you're coaching at the at the youth level as opposed to just always with the pros. Um, yeah. But, mate, we just... I want to say thank you so much for coming on, and because uh, I know you're a busy guy, and you're you're about to go on preseason as well with um, the team. Yeah, yeah, no, it's an, well, it's an absolute could... pleasure, brother. It's an absolute pleasure, and uh, I love what you're doing in, in America uh, with the young kids. Honestly, like like you're inspiring a whole generation, and and especially your character, your personality. You always bring out the best in people, and. Uh, it's uh, it's great to see the ball manipulation stuff you do because it's funny if you, you talk we, we're talking about first team but I still use the ball manipulation in my warm-ups you know what I mean so because at the end of the day if a player hasn't mastered the football technically it's very hard for him to progress you know what I mean to anything else because you need to be comfortable in possession before you can go into the tactical elements because you need to be able to receive the ball you need to be able to, to manipulate the ball um, and I think I, I could preach by that all day because for me the fundamentals are so important and I would say to any young kid master the basics, master the fundamentals, you know, uh, express yourself, have confidence, have self-belief in your ability. So when I see you doing a lot of things with the the, the young girls in terms of uh, your ball manipulation, in terms of like letting them express themselves, in terms of like the, there's no fear to, 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 how can I say, to attempt certain skills uh, with fear of failure, it's, it's great to see. And I wish I had that more when I was younger rather than the fear of like if we lost the game, you know, St. Andrews was a big pressure. No, no disrespect to St. Andrews, but we couldn't get beat by Les Brunies. We couldn't get beat by Hillsborough Boys. And it was like at nine, 10 years old, was there a really importance on us winning that game? Or was it more about the development of the individual? And I think more players would have probably progressed if they had put more emphasis on individual development rather than us winning that game that day. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I spoke to you about this earlier on. You said you, you, you're massive into that. And it's great to see because... We were born, I think, sometimes. Nowadays, it's, it's, it's improved a lot, and no disrespect to the city we come from, but I think for many years, we were held back by by a very results-driven business, and I think that it, it, that should come into play at a certain age, but at an early age for kids, it should be about them just you know, expressing themselves, uh, having, having a smile on their face, coming off the field happy, you know, enjoying it, because they, they will... Uh, I listened to me, I'll turn you to this. I listened to, I'll send, actually send you this. I listened to the technical director of, of United on a podcast or, or the youth director. Um, and he talks about that not all the kids in Manchester United are going to make it into professional footballers, but he cares about them in terms of not 
only the ones that are going to make it through the system, but how can he leave a legacy with the other ones that they had such a good experience in their time in Manchester United youth team that wherever they go, they'll have fun memories and will use football as a, as a part of their life where they, they get enjoyment. So even though they're 40, 50 years old in different indus- working industries, they always relate football to happiness. Do you know what I'm saying? So whenever they play football, 42, 43 years old, they, they will play at a five-a-side level or eight-a-side or whatever with friends, but they always relate it to being happy and having a smile on the face. And I think sometimes back generations, obviously, where, where we're from, we, they put so much pressure on players that they actually gave up of football at an early age because they lost the enjoyment of it. Do you know what I'm saying? So Same. people, you know, yeah, and I think it should have been a lot more joy to play the game where people want to, even if they don't want to play professionally, they can still enjoy it at a, at a later stage. And that, I think that's what football should be at a, at, a, at every level, even professional level. But obviously, it's a little bit more resourceful than professional level and first team. But like I said, I, I love what you're doing with the kids and giving that expression. Because when I saw that step over twice, I was like, oh, this guy's he's coaching in the right way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's beautiful to see that. You know, no, mate, yeah, we're, we're, we're really, well, thank you so much for, for, for- for the compliments for your time yet and we'll uh, we'll get that other podcast um recorded soon because i think you've got a lot of knowledge and all your just your anecdotes and just some of the little sound bites you're saying and i just think are really great for coaches to you know um they hear and um, so mate thanks yeah. very much orman and i'll uh, speak no, it's, soon, it's an absolute pleasure yeah thank you so much for your time and uh thank you for everyone listening like i said i'm still learning myself and still trying to grow and you know, anytime you, uh, any of the coaches are on again, I would love to listen to them because I, I listened to your last one. It was incredible. So um, thank you so much for your time and uh, I'll see you on Monday night, hopefully. Yes, mate. I'll speak to you then. Thanks yeah. very much, Norman. Take care. God Thanks, bless. Man. Take care. Bye-bye.